The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transformed their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And today, we have a panel of some very important guests who are here to talk with us about a topic that has ramifications for many of our listeners. We are going to be talking about access to capital for women business owners, and in fact, there's a conference coming up in Kansas City in October about this very topic. We are going to be pulling in some of the the top people in terms of legislation, in terms of knowledge, in terms of entrepreneurs who have been there, done that in this conference, and we're fortunate enough to have many of them here today to talk with us about this topic. Uh, The first person that we have is actually the organizer of the event. Her name is Denise Ferris with the Ferris Law Firm. And we also have Ann Sullivan, who is the government affairs relations person with WIP. She is also the president of Madison Services Group. And then Amy Millman is joining us from Springboard Enterprises. She is the president of that organization who has been responsible for really changing the game in many ways for women who are seeking financing. She'll be talking to us about that. We also have uh, Sherry Turner here in Kansas City. She is with the Women's Capital Connection, and again, an organization that is helping women receive capital that they may not otherwise have been able to do. And, or to, to, and finally, joining us today is Mary Leonida, a successful entrepreneur. She's the owner of several high-growth businesses, and she's also served on various entrepreneurial boards nationally. So we're going to be getting her perspective on women and access to capital as someone who has been there, done that herself as a woman business owner. Recorded live. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And today we have a panel of some very important guests who are here to talk with us about a topic that has ramifications for many of our listeners. We are going to be talking about access to capital for women business owners. And in fact, there's a conference coming up in Kansas City in October about this very topic. We are going to be pulling in some of the the top people in terms of legislation, in terms of knowledge, in terms of entrepreneurs who have been there, done that in this conference. And we're fortunate enough to have many of them here today to talk with us about this topic. Uh, The first person that we have is actually the organizer of the event. Her name is Denise Ferris with the Ferris Law Firm. And we also have Ann Sullivan, who is the government affairs relations person with WIP. She is also the president of Madison Services Group. And then Amy Millman is joining us from Springboard Enterprises. She is the president of that organization who has been responsible for really changing the game in many ways for women who are seeking financing. She'll be talking to us about that. We also have 
uh, Sherry Turner here in Kansas City. She is with the Women's Capital Connection, and again, an organization that is helping women receive capital that they may not otherwise have been able to do and, or to, to get. And rounding this out again at the end, we'll bring Denise back in to talk with us about some more of the details for the show. But Denise, I want to start with you too. Why this conference? Why now? Well, Kelly, it's been my privilege to work as a member of WIP, Women Impacting Public Policy, for a number of years now. And WIP is a national organization that works primarily with women-owned businesses to really give them a, a strong voice in Washington, D.C. WIP has a very discreet policy agenda where it focuses on six primary agenda items. And one of those is access to capital, recognizing that um, women-owned businesses are playing a strong role in our economy, but they run into barriers that don't always exist for the other small business counterpoints. So WIP wanted to put on a large-scale event here in the Kansas City area, uh, and I'm basically just the foot soldier to help WIP get that agenda out with a really good dialogue here locally. So the program is set for October 15th and 16th in Kansas City. We're really pleased to have a, a key player, the Kauffman Foundation, joining us, uh, which again leans, uh, lends credence to how important this is. And it will focus primarily on overcoming the psychology of small women tending to want to start their own businesses, but a huge majority of them starting and remaining small instead of getting that vision in their head and heart about the high growth potential that's out there. The conference will also focus very specifically on giving women information about all of the large-scale financing vehicles out there, whether it be large-scale traditional loans, angel investing, venture capital, pros and cons of both, and hands-on training so that you know how to position yourself to most effectively go in there and get the type of tools and manage it once you get that. Uh, so it's going to be a great conference, and uh, you can find out specific information on it on a website, which is bit.ly slash R-K-Z-O-G-G. Okay, and we'll be repeating that many times throughout the conference. So uh, make sure you catch it and, and go out there and visit to find out. Because this is, a, this is a regional conference. You don't have to be in the Kansas City area to attend. And as I said at the beginning of the show, this topic is of great importance. And what you will hear here today is more than just about the conference. We're going to be talking at some length about access to capital for women. And I want to bring you into the conversation now, Anne, as a government relations liaison for WIP and the president of the Madison Services Group. You are right there front and center, center trying to translate some of these topics, some of these really important issues for women business owners into legislative initiatives so that we can get something done about that. What are you in the midst of right now? What are some of the topics? Well, let me just um, just say that one of the reasons that we decided to take access to capital on is we were disturbed by um, statistics released by the National Women's Business Council that 88% of the women in this country who own businesses don't have any employees, and I think I've got that number right. Um, and so the point is, okay, so how can we assist them in growing? And the answer inevitably is, well, you have to have access to capital to grow your business. 
And so that's why this is such an important topic. Um, in Washington, we're working on um, the, the flip side as well, which is how can we encourage people to lend to small businesses? Because as uh, most people on this call probably know, uh, banks uh, stopped lending in 2008, and it's eased up a little bit now. Uh, but SBA, I think, is by far the biggest lender. Uh, we're working on things like um, the, there is a credit union lending cap that Congress mm -hmm. arbitrarily put in place uh, about 10 years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, that keeps them from lending to small businesses when, in fact, they would be happy to. So we're trying to lift that cap because it doesn't make any sense. Sure. Um, we're, we're working on um, educating uh, through what's called technical assistance, which is just a fancy name for business assistance, um, to uh, women-owned companies that don't really know how to get a loan or how to ask for it or where the other sources of capital are. Um, there are organizations on the ground that provide that kind of counseling and the government actually funds it, so we are constantly um, asking for uh, a, a good level of funding so that uh, the women business owners that need it can be served. Right. So th this is really more than just a a one uh, trick pony, I guess you could say. It's more more than just getting legislation passed, but it's about creating awareness and educating women business owners, too, that there's more than one source. I think a lot of times people immediately think of a bank. But even in good times, a lot of businesses are not bankable. And we've all heard you know, those stories. And so there are alternate forms out there. And so from what I'm understanding, you're interested not only in changing legislation or enacting legislation that can help with the access to capital issue, but also in educating women business owners about the alternate sources or to help well, how to make themselves um, uh, open to being funded, attractive. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, it's almost like you don't know what you don't know. Right. So, yes. <laughs> so we're we're we need to educate the women business owners as much as we need to educate the Congress and the White House on mm -hmm. what we think will help ease ease the capital situation for small businesses. Sure. And and we have on the phone with us. We have two people who can speak to some of those alternate forms of funding with uh, Amy Millman and with Sherry Turner. And either one of you or both of you, <laughs> uh, tell us about what your organizations do and the type of funding that you're providing and how that's making a difference to leading women business owners to greater levels of success. So, Kelly, this is Sherry with the Women's Business Center here in Kansas City. So I might speak to um, quickly dovetail on on with Ann's comments. So women's business centers are funded by the Small Business Administration nationally, which do provide some of that, um, what she termed as technical assistance or business assistance. And we've been operating in the Kansas City market for 12 years, and it's exactly what, what we have seen even in progression of 12 years that traditionally women, you know, start their micro enterprises with uh, friends and family dollars, and um, many times uh, credit cards uh, are maxed out to actually start those businesses. And so having that financial education and going through, um, you know, really informed decision-making as to how to actually capitalize your business, whether that's in startup or growth phase, has been um, 
I guess, a, a product of what the women's business centers have been doing nationally. So I'd just like right. to point out we appreciate that, Anne. Yes. And, th- and then the um, actually the gap in our community most recently, to Anne's point about uh, the banks not being able to lend uh, quite to the ratio that they were 72 months ago, um, you know, there are microloan programs that are available that do not have quite the uh, stringent guidelines that the banks are under regulation with right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, microloans are typically, though, their programs uh, also underwritten by the Small Business Administration and actually cap out at about 50000 But the average microloan in most cases is actually less than $10,000. So it's just a great way for women business owners to actually start um, seed money for their startups. It is, and I don't I don't want to get into it now, but I want to come back to that ten thousand average and why uh, ten ten thousand seems to be the average. It goes to the whole psychology of thinking small and whether women are actually even asking for enough money up front to put themselves on a good foundation if they're going to be well capitalized enough to even hit those success milestones, and uh, I want to get into that in just a minute, but you also have an organization called the Women's Capital Connection. Can you talk to us a little bit about what it does and how angel investing is filling some of those gaps? You talk about micro lending for just a minute, but how about the angel investing part? So five years ago, recognizing that the the Midwest has not necessarily um, been a region that's looked – I guess favorably for, especially for women-led companies in terms of angel investing, we were successful in having the support of of some founding members. We actually had 33 founding members, SEC-accredited women, that said they wanted to try to help change that for the region or the marketplace here in the Kansas City market. And so we were able to set up a, an angel network, and um, these are definitely companies that are getting in front of these angel investors that really do have potential to grow and are scalable. And so we we are being successful um, it, at, you know, in the first couple of years. Actually, deal flow was very difficult, so we had to actually turn our mindset into we had to educate some of the women that we were working with mm-hmm. uh, for them to understand that they were going to have to give an equity um, or have an equity position in their company in order to to scale. So there was an education piece that we actually had to turn around and and focus on, and obviously then our, our deal flow has started to increase. Sure, and, and I, I and, and you hear that over and over again that sometimes it's very difficult to help business owners understand that 100% of a small pie is not nearly as big as maybe 70% of a much larger pie, and it's, it's exactly a hard concept right. to get across sometimes. Yeah, that's that's very true. So we're looking at um, also educating women. Um, about being investors, and that's equally as important um, in terms of filling this gap for women-led companies. We're currently in in our fifth year with 40 women investors now looking at these companies Mm -hmm. and scaling. Were were most of these women investors business owners prior to uh, becoming a part of this group? Actually, it's a a strange mix of um, uh, some entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, uh, some C-level 
corporate individuals that just didn't really know what angel investing was at that time and some um, really philanthropic individuals that said this is a great way to to give back to women. So it's been an interesting mix across the years. I was just wondering if the women who owned businesses prior to becoming involved with the Angel Group are perhaps your best advocates in helping to educate some of the women entrepreneurs who need the capital right now because uh, they they had to at one point get their mind around the fact that <laughs> taking on money can sometimes help you grow. And I was just wondering about that dynamic. Yeah, totally agree. And they they came in being successful with the pay it forward uh, mindset. Mm-hmm. So that's what's been very very helpful with our sure. the energy of our group. Amy, you bring a whole other perspective. You are very involved in the venture capital arena. Talk to us about what Springboard Enterprises brings to the table and how you have been able to change the face of uh, women's success with ownership in business. Well, thank you for including me today. I. Honestly, it, the, everything you're talking about, about women and thinking big, was something that we talked about, oh, maybe, oh gosh, it's about 20 years ago, sitting down in a room with uh, at the National Women's Business Council saying, you know, what is it that we need to do to focus on as kind of a, a consortium of women's organizations, you know, that spawned WIP and WeBank and a few other um, really important organizations like the one that Cherry runs um, to bring women to a point where they're thinking a lot bigger uh, and the opportunities for them are a lot bigger than uh, than what we were hearing. And mm-hmm. so, you know, fast forward uh, for some of us, we realize, wow, you know, creating an infrastructure and creating kind of an advocacy network that supports this would be really important on all different angles for contracting, for financing, um, and for networking, and for advocacy. And it, so if you can, if you look at the successes of building these organizations like WIP, like WeBank, like Women's Presidents Organization, and uh, and then the Women's Business Center groups, and then all the Women's Angel groups, um, uh, and then groups like Springboard that have um, appeared on the uh, in the world, um, we are, we are attacking this pretty aggressively. Uh, at Springboard, um, and we were founded about 12 years ago, and the with the idea of you know almost being the Hollywood agent for women entrepreneurs who were thinking big. Um, and just didn't have the access to the kinds of funding, the millions of dollars they would need to build their businesses, whether they be a biotech business or uh, a digital media, those those early days when nobody really understood, you know, the changes that were going to happen via mobile and digital media. And, you know, the women were telling us that they couldn't, um, they couldn't scale their businesses fast enough because they didn't have access to the financing. And we were focusing on lending, and they were saying to us, no lender is going to look at us because we don't have three years of revenue-producing products and probably won't for many, many years. What we need is equity investments. So we went about to say, well, what does that entail? What should we do? How do we how do we change that dynamic? And what, one of the ways we said, you know, simple, let's introduce the entrepreneurs who, uh, you know, as we always say, are big businesses starting small right. um, to to the right uh, sources of capital that 
perhaps the, you know, as scientists, as as people who have not had experience raising that kind of money, um, would need to know. And and so that's that's been that's been the whole premise and the mission of Springboard all this time is, uh, you know, as other people were handling the other parts of the puzzle um, of financing from micro enterprise, um, you know, through the lending world. Um, nobody at the time was handling the issue of can we get women to access equity at a certain level. At the same time, you know, becoming role models for others who said, oh, I didn't know about that opportunity. Yes, my business is a perfect candidate for this type of funding, and now I have a network that I can tap into that can help us. Absolutely. And speaking of role models, uh, someone else that we have here with us today is Mary Leonida, who is a successful entrepreneur, many times owner over. She's the owner of several high-growth businesses. And Mary, I believe you actually got a taste of business ownership when you were in college, if I remember from some of our previous conversations. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct, Kelly. Thank you for having me today. Yes, absolutely. And you actually went to your father, if I remember the story right, you went to your father and said, hey, I have a chance to purchase um, a franchise. It was a food establishment uh, chain, and you were able to purchase a franchise, and you said that it would probably pay your way through college. Do I have that story right? Yes, that's correct. Yes, okay. I, I went. To, I had that opportunity in college, and I went to my father and said, if you co-sign a note for me and help me get the financing for this, I'd really like to purchase this business because that will help me get through college and grad school. And, right. um, and that's how it started. Yeah, now we're talking about the rest of the story because uh, you went on to actually own a large group of those restaurants. If you could talk to us a little bit about that history. And I also would like for you to address at some point what it, you know your experience in trying to access capital and that whole question as a woman business owner yourself do you think yourself did you did you go in thinking too small about uh what you could accomplish and with the other women business owners you've been associated with is that something that is that is, we really really do have an issue with trying to overcome is is that why a lot of times women business owners you know, we're starting businesses at, at much greater rates than men are, but they tend to be smaller. And is that is that what the issue is? Is, is that what it boils down to? So uh, take it from here. Okay. Uh, well, I, mean, I do think you have a, a good valid point there. Women do ask for what they need in their business, and then they usually end up with 50% of what they actually require from the mm-hmm. investors or a bank or whatever financial t- institutions that they're looking at, which I think, Place to the mindset, like you like you mentioned earlier, that that sometimes women just don't think big enough, and right. I think that trend is changing. And um, you know, as you know, today there are over eight million women-owned business in the United States, and they generate over one point three trillion dollars worth of revenue and employ seven over seven and a half million people. And so right. the mindset now is growing, and people are getting more uh are realizing more that they can grow and they can be just as successful as the as the men in the industry but it's harder to do and um you know women women entrepreneurs that that seek capital you know um usually only 10% of them are successful in this day and age so they have to really find other ways to 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 get capital and to find financing so in my case, I, it was the same thing. I kind of grew small, and I didn't really look to, you know, I'll just get some, some different um, financing and more traditional financing, and uh, it worked out okay for me, but I had a business that was, was growing from, 
a bricks and mortar standpoint. Um, when I went off into other other ventures and other opportunities, it was financing was more difficult to to uh, to acquire. And even now, there's some things that I've, I've been looking into, and especially with what's happened in the last couple of years, financing is is much more difficult for everyone, but especially for still for women. As a as a woman business owner yourself, uh, what advice would you give other WBOs when it comes to financing, when it comes to getting their businesses ready to accept financing, you know, to become bankable, to attract the interest of perhaps a VC or an angel investor? What tips would you give women? Well, primarily I think now, and it, it's probably been the case all along, but women have not taken advantage of it. But um, networking connections and making sure that you are that you're out there and making uh, getting as much information as you possibly can from from the government agencies, from from local agencies, uh, from from things like this conference that, that's going to be in Kansas City next month. Mm-hmm. Uh, having as much information as you possibly can is the, is probably the most um, important thing to do in getting financing and being able to. Take advantage of the of the networking and the connections that you can make. That's that's so critical now in uh, in being known and and having a track record and and uh, people look for that now. They want yeah, that high I, visibility. Yeah, and I think something you said there about the connections and it's the quality. It's not necessarily the number of connections you have, exactly. but the quality of the connections that you have that is incredibly important. Yes, this is exactly. Ann Sullivan. This is Ann yes. Sullivan. Can I jump in? Absolutely. <laughs> to that to that point. Um, uh, Don Graves, who's the Deputy Assistant Secretary at Treasury, is going to be at our meeting. He's the President's point man on small business lending. So if if you need to hear it straight from the source and where things are going and what changes need to be made and just information about capital, you know, Don's going to be there and um, he's going to be a terrific um, source of information. Yes, and and while while I have you here, you were talking about needing to educate the legislators. And what is it that where where is the gap? We've talked about where the the capital gaps are, but where is it? Where are the gaps in knowledge when it comes to legislators? What message still needs to get through? What what can women business owners in particular do to help you? and WIP and NABO and other organizations that are out there advocating, what can the women business owners themselves do to help with this educational piece for the for the legislators? Um, probably the most important message and the important information to the Congress is um, a personal story about your business and, and your search for capital. Uh, once an elected official hears not one, but 30, 40, 50 uh, constituents say, hey, I'm having a real problem. You all want us to grow and and get this economy moving, but we can't get capital. That starts getting their attention. Mm -hmm. One legislator actually said to me, I can't go anywhere these days without some small business coming up and saying, well, what are you going to do to start making the banks lend? So it's those stories and that context that really support the efforts of uh, WIP and uh, me personally uh, mm-hmm. when we're talking to elected officials who can help. All right. And what is the best way 
to send that message in? Um, email or I mean, how how do they best like to be corresponded with? I'm, and I assume most of this goes to an aide first. But what is the best method for reaching telephone calls to the aides locally back at home? Emails? How does it best reach them? So everybody um, on their website, every so if you go senate.gov or house.gov and you pull up the representative or senator, they all have contact us and a place for you to uh, input your message. And email is definitely the preferred method of communication. Uh, so that's one way. And yes, it doesn't go directly to the House member or the senator because um, nobody, no one human being could ever wade through all the emails <laughs> that, sure. uh, that they get. So it first goes to um, a, a legislative assistant who looks at it, reads it, looks at it, tries to figure out if there's something they can do to help, uh, and then communicates to the legislator how many uh, letters they got on this issue, what they're doing to help, what are the requests. So it's all very carefully taken care of internally. So it's not like if you send an email, you, nobody's ever looked at it. You can be assured that people will be looking at it and trying to figure out how to respond to you. Hey, and Anne, this is Amy. Yeah. Can I jump in on that? Anne is yeah. really at the point for all of us on, on uh, you know, being on a first name basis with a lot of these members. And one of the other, one of the other things that somebody had taught me ages ago um, was if you ask a question, um, as opposed to just being counted, if you ask a question that they need to respond to, uh -huh. sometimes that requires them to do a little bit of research, and um, and become a little bit more informed internally given all the issues that they have to cover. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that we've been doing is around the area of crowdfunding is, uh, you know, how do you make sure that um, they understand that, that entrepreneurs are really interested in the legislation that Congress already passed dealing with crowdfunding. And um, uh, Anne probably is the biggest expert on this call who understands that whole dynamic and who you know how to you know how to work congress in the support of that um that initiative which is now in uh, in the hands of the SEC right well you're absolutely right Amy um crowdfunding is on my list uh because depending on how it's structured is going to be you know whether or not uh, crowdfunding ends up being a good mechanism if it's overregulated nobody will participate but if it's too loosey goosey uh you could have a lot of fraud so it's uh it's real interesting to see how this will all work out to be a good program yeah and, and i'm glad you brought that up amy because it is something that we write about a lot and there are a lot of questions about has the potential to be a great tool but as ann just pointed out it also has the potential for a lot of fraud and a lot of a lot of issues if it's not done properly. So uh, we'll be seeing how that all works out here really soon. One question that I have for all of you, and any of you can jump in. We're, we've been sitting here talking about how difficult it is to get funding, uh, particularly for women small businesses, and with the emphasis now so much coming out about tech startups. I mean, it seems like every community is going to be the next Silicon Valley. And there, the women within that group are still the minority. It's mostly, from what I can see here in Kansas City, a lot of young men. But there are more and more women that are starting to enter the tech fields and the science fields and the bioscience. And as a result of that, do you think that that presence 
uh, women in, in those fields since the, that tech startup market is starting to get so much attention. Do you think that will elevate the women issue the, the issues that women are facing? Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, this is Amy. I can talk to that. I mean, we're seeing an enormous number of women um, who have been, you know, we always call them domain experts. These are people that, you know, are not necessarily 22, 23, which, you know, we, we understand is the stereotype for a startup, um, but people who have had long experience working in their fields and now have decided that they can, they really do have the expertise and the interest in running their own uh, organization, needing that um, and and feel comfortable doing that. And and this has taken a while to kind of uh, come to fruition, but we've seen it in the last few years in in great numbers. And so the prevalence, the you know, if people get used to seeing women in these positions um, at all different levels of business, it changes the perception and changes the way we actually look at um, uh, at, at at the leadership of co- of companies. And so I'm, I'm very, um, I have such a positive view right now of the opportunity for women. People are beginning to kind of look at and not feel that it is an anomaly anymore to see women in positions in, of significant companies. Um, I, I think Marissa Mayer running uh, Yahoo, even though she's right. not an entrepreneur, has also put it on the front burner. Um, it's our job now to kind of take it to the next level and start showing the faces of these people, not only the entrepreneurs, but the investors who are now women. You know, the group that, that Cherry's put together uh, is a really impressive group of people with who are experts in their fields. And so if if we can begin to start to show the faces of these people and have them as expert resources um, uh, front and center, uh, I think things are, are really in a position now to make a, a major change in people's perceptions of who should be running or who is running companies these days. Yeah, Mary. And, Kelly, this is Denise Ferris. Um, I wanted to jump in and, and follow on what Amy said. Um, perception is such a strong thing, and sometimes we don't talk enough about it, but uh, my law firm deals primarily with minority and women-owned businesses. Yes. and. It has been fascinating to see a defeatist psychology that has to be overcome kind of incrementally to where you get the vision that you can be more, you test the waters, and you find out, wow, not only did I succeed, but I'm really good at this, and then you get bigger and bigger and bigger. So I think one of the things we wanted to accomplish through WIP as a national organization and also through this program is, A, to empower women to realize what an incredible clout they bear in Washington, D.C., if they but choose to vocalize their voice. And so by working through Women Impacting Public Policy and Ann Sullivan's group, it has become a very dynamic force there in pushing policy uh, to recognize the role that we're playing. Secondly is that we're hoping this program accomplishes the task of creating that vision to an entrepreneur that might be small and maybe at this point in time they don't have employees, but they see these success stories and they see the building blocks and they say, you know, there's nothing that keeps me from being that speaker up there on the podium. And you get that vision and you get that passion and now all of a sudden it comes to fruition. Absolutely. Education, mentoring, 
uh, role models, all of that is, is just as important as the, the financing itself. And uh, Denise, if you would give us the particulars of the event again for anyone who is listening, because again, if uh, you would like to attend, you don't have to be from the Kansas City area, and you don't have to be a woman uh, business owner either. This is open to all small business owners, so we would welcome you to fly in to take part in the in the meeting. Denise, what are the details? Yeah, you bet. Um, October 15th, the evening of October 15th, we'll be having a reception for our speakers and our guests at the Economic Development Corporation of Kansas City. And then we've got a full, really exciting all-day program October 16th at the Kauffman Foundation down on beautiful Rock Hill Road in Kansas City. Uh, two ways to register. You can go to this website, bit.ly. Slash R-K-Z-O-G-G, that's a little bit cumbersome. Or better yet, we'd like for everybody to come and visit the WIP website, which is www.wipp.org, and just click on Events, uh, Access to Capital, Overcoming the Psychology of Small. So WIP.org, Events, Access to Capital, Overcoming the Psychology of Small, and we would love to see all of you Visit us in lovely Kansas City on October 15th and 16th. Well, I appreciate the time that all of you gave up today to convey this very important information. I know you're all very busy women, and I'm looking forward to seeing you all here when you are in Kansas City in, what, just about a month. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, bet. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.